On today's episode of Oxl FM, we return to a part two of our Animal Crossing retrospective. Hello and welcome to the episode of Octal FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And welcome back to all those who were listening to part one of this episode. But if you haven't listened to the, the previous episode, we are covering go away a retrospective. And come back. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell them to go away. That's rude. <laughs> um, we're covering a retrospective of all Animal Crossing games. Um, mm. So if you haven't listened to part one, then we probably recommend it. You don't need to, obviously. You can still enjoy this for all the games we do talk about, but definitely recommend going back and listening to part one first. Definitely. We're going to be carrying on pretty much directly from where we left off last time. We're not going to cover what is Animal Crossing. Um, we did that in the previous episode, mm. but we're going to start off with talking about Animal Crossing City Folk. Which was the Nintendo Wii version of Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yeah. So in the last episode, we just finished talking about Wild Worlds. And we were talking about how yeah. Wild World really started to cement what it means to be an Animal Crossing game. And City Folk, or Let's Go to the City, with that, the franchise returned to the home consoles. And it really was just Wild World. But with, uh, you know, better graphics and a city, which was basically just some of the functionality taken out of your village or town or whatever and into another area, but fundamentally didn't really add a lot. It was a lot of like refinements, you know, and Mm. and all of this. There were a lot of the same characters and, you know, and that kind of thing. And and this time there was sort of a little bit of exploration, I guess, in... You know, they added, there was the microphone, right? Like there was the We Speak. Oh, well, we're we going to jump straight into this, are we? Weird, okay, cool, we'll, we'll just, do this. Just because I'm just thinking about like, what did <laughs> what did City Folk actually add to the franchise? It's like, is it talking on a on a bad <laughs> microphone? <laughs> I mean, it was the first game to use it. Um, so the, for the context, the, the Wii didn't come with any microphones built into no, it. No. Like there was no headset compatibility or no, anything like no, that. No, no. And this is kind of... You were on sort of the beginning of that sort of like headset gaming culture, right? Because yeah. like Xbox oh, 360 and PS3, yeah. <laughs> w- 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 they were definitely like flirting with that a bit more now. Like the ability to have like Bluetooth headsets yeah. or plug them into the controls and things like that. So it's fine that the Wii didn't have it built in. And this was the first example of them trying to make microphones work and yeah. use the we speak channel it was yeah. a specific program you had to download well and, and like a little adapter like a piece like a piece of hardware right yeah. you attached to it that you attach to your, your your device and yeah it allowed you to chat with people in real time and that sounds really simple now but like you gotta remember this was 2008 and a nintendo console so yeah i mean for nintendo still... this is you know brave <laughs> Letting people talk to each other. <laughs> I know. I mean, honestly, I never did it, so I don't no. have uh, expert experience of how 
much headache it must have been to set up but i imagine there was about a million friend codes involved and so many like are you sure this is okay are your parents aware of this oh my god yes my parents are aware of this i am a 30 year old man (laughs) um (laughs) you know (laughs) but this this is again nintendo using animal crossing as a bit of an experimental bed to work with because not only was this the first instance of them using a microphone for their games this was also the first instance of them using their more constant always online connection that the wii Mm, was capable mm. of because up until this point to access the internet with their consoles was very much like it was in animal crossing uh wild world was you sort of had to initiate the online connection and connect to a very specific service and it was it was kind of niche right it wasn't very user-friendly But this idea was that they used the Wii Connect 24 channel, which was sort of just an always online service, essentially. Yeah, it was like, this was where Nintendo started to, yeah, have that kind of idea of passive internet connectivity right which which is kind of crazy when you're in what what year are we in 2008 right like that the internet is definitely a thing at this point but not if you're nintendo if you're nintendo you're still figuring this stuff out yeah uh, and yeah it was like it was a selling point right it was like your wii is is connected to the internet even when it's on standby it's connected and so but i think yeah this is interesting because i think in japan that's an easy enough sell but I think, especially in the UK, at least from my experience, like, I don't remember b- many houses having always online sort of like constant broadband connection, especially for a dedicated device like a Wii, because this is before smart boxes. This is before yeah. like tablets and smartphones are properly taken off. Yeah. Like a lot of people still connected to the internet via connecting to the internet. Yeah, true. I mean, it was still of like the era of like the Xbox and you know, like, like online multiplayer and, and stuff mm. like that. Like, like, I think it did feel like Nintendo were a bit behind, but also it yeah. did work pretty well, you know, in the sense that you could get notifications and, and messages from people and gifts and stuff like that. Stuff that we now take for granted in the later games, mm. but, you know, it was I a think lot that's harder. exactly what the biggest thing there is that we don't think about this as even a feature anymore, but at the time this was a feature. Genu- like, yeah, absolutely. Having your Animal Crossing game always be able to be accessed by your friends and I don't mean like going in and messing around with your stuff, but just sending you a message you or like sending like, a present. You you remember like your Wii would like flash, you know, like when mm, you got something mm. over the Wii Connect 24 um, functionality. So funny. Yeah, the little like blue glowing yeah, light. Yeah. Like, you've received a thing. And this basically carried on into the Wii U too. Like the Wii U did the same yeah, sort of thing, you know. Um, so again, this is just another example of, uh, of Nintendo experimenting with features using Animal Crossing. Mm, um, but not really to the detriment of the game. It's not like the, the games were worse because of this experimental tech. Like, in a way, this is still Wild World, but using more robust online infrastructure, yeah. right? Because, like, the DS had the microphone, but I don't feel like it used it in Wild World, you right? could, I don't um, think it did. You could, could, can you blow on it to, like, blow stuff away? Or you could, oh, like, maybe, yeah, shout yeah. at villagers with it? Um, um, yeah, but it didn't allow voice chat, and <laughs> no, the online no. obviously was something you had to turn on to use. So this is very much like you said, like this is Wild World, but more, more solidified, yeah. more grounded with what it wanted and could do with with the technical limitations. Yeah, I think I think City Folk is easily the least innovative in some ways. Like there were yeah, some I things guess, that they yeah. added, but but definitely from a gameplay point of view, it was 
very similar to Wild World. If the, if this was the only if this was the first Animal Crossing you played, it would be great. Um, yeah, but if you've played all the others, it it was it does feel like a little bit of a, an iteration rather than a new game. Definitely, definitely. One thing I will say though, I don't know if this is going to be a hot take, right? But in my opinion, City Folk was the first Animal Crossing to look good. Yeah, that I do agree because with. sixty don't FPS. Get me wrong, I think the original Nintendo sixty four slash GameCube version looked fine, but. even then it had like this kind of weird blocky look to it yeah the textures were very pixelated and wild world looked hot garbage hot garbage (laughs) it is terrible if you watch it back so bad you know but i'm pretty confident this is probably just exactly the same like models that they used in wild world just like upscale and put onto a proper system that could handle it and it looks pretty good like it still looks pretty good now i think yes obviously Obviously, the the late games look better, but I still think this looks pretty good, and I think it looks exactly what an Animal Crossing game now looks like in most people's eyes. Yeah. Also, I think in so, some ways, New Leaf, which we're about to talk about, looked worse because of the low fidelity of the 3DS. Yeah, you know, compared absolutely. to City Folk, in some ways. So, yes, it sounds like there's not much else to talk about with City Folk, really. I mean, it did do some cool things as well, like adding the city functionality. Yeah. You know, yeah. Having it as sort of like a, a hub for mm. events and time-sensitive characters. Um, but it also didn't feel like it was a thought-through enough idea, I guess. Like, the whole idea of Animal Crossing, it was supposed to, like, get away from the city and live in a community. Whereas, like, <laughs> and this game is like, go to the city and go and hang out with people that you're never going to see again. I don't know kind of went against the grain of the idea of it but i see from a gameplay point of view it did add something new at least anyway mm. um but maybe it just wasn't as fleshed out as they needed it to be yeah yeah um, i did like however considering how similar they were to each other how you could transfer your data from wild mm. world to city folk yeah, yeah by like moving in so all the progress you've had on things like your shopping catalog and things like your like bug collecting yeah. and stuff like that was still That's pretty cool maintained between those two so this this solidifies even more to me how much these games were supposed to be together. Mm, definitely. Yeah, it's like a continuous story, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. The The next game in the franchise was Animal Crossing New Leaf, which was on the 3DS. This was a much bigger time difference between them as yeah, well. Yeah, four year gap, right, between the two. Yeah. Whereas I think the other one was probably two, two, two. Yeah. Between. I them. feel like New Leaf was what Wild World wanted to be. You know, yeah, in, the, in the sense that Wild World, especially visually, you know, and 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 to some extent the amount of stuff in the game, I think Wild World was, you know, there was a lot of concessions to fit on the DS in that situation. Yes. Also, yeah, the yeah, online, yeah. as we've talked about, was like a massive pain in the backside, and New Leaf. It's like, okay, cool. It turns out Wild World was actually a game for the 3DS. Uh, they just yeah. they, they, they just were a few years too early um, because this was where I, I feel like, okay, yeah, it's been a while since I played New Leaf, but I feel like New Leaf is reasonably close to New Horizons. You know, at this mm. point, if you've played the latest game, New Horizons, then, then you know what New Leaf is like because yeah. they are very, very similar. At this, at this point, the game is now so stable. You know, City yeah. Folk was was showed that they were they knew what the formula was, and New Leaf is where they've like perfected it. You know, and polished yeah. it to a shine. 
Uh, and it's got all the components. I, I've said that in the notes. I've got, if City Folk was a realised version of the original game, New Leaf is a realised version of what Animal Crossing encapsulates as a whole. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and and that certainly shows as well with the sales figures again. Now, it didn't quite have the same runaway success as Wild World did because the 3DS was seen more of a gaming system rather than the DS was sort of like just this like handheld thing that mm. people bought. Mm. But even still, it sold really well. 12.5 million units approximately sold worldwide, which again, for a 3DS game was really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was also, um, and what this, I think it is worth mentioning, this is also the introduction of, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, Aya Kyogoku. Is that right? Aya Kyogoku as the director mm. of the game. And, and she's been on with every other Animal Crossing since. Right. Um, so, and, and I think that you can feel the difference between New Leaf and the previous games with mm. somewhat that direction, I guess. This is sort of when they had like that shift of the old guard to the new guard a little bit, you know, like the original games were developed by the the very traditional Nintendo, like research and planning division, you know, the mm. one that made all the kind of classic games back in the day, yeah, yeah. whereas this is now being made by the team specifically mm. with the new guard in mind of, de- of developing the new games for the modern Nintendo systems, the modern Nintendo strategy. I feel like New Leaf is where we really start to see the personalization components of Animal Mm. Crossing come out to the forefront. You know, you always could like move stuff around in your home, right? And you could always do, you know, bits and pieces here and there. But in New Leaf, the big feature was that you're the mayor, right? And so you get to, you know, build things in the, in the town and, and, Mm. and sort of really give direction. And, I feel like that was the key the key thing here compared to the previous games where it felt like you were in the in the earlier games you know you would arrive right like on the train or whatever and it felt like you were like arriving at this established place and you were setting yeah. up your home and and your home was like the sort of thing that you could fiddle around with but otherwise you yeah. were sort of you you lived in this place where other people yeah. lived and you had to integrate with the community exactly a bit. and in new leaf it's it's very much like okay, this, you're in charge now, you know, you get to do what you want to do. And, and I think, you know, I feel like there's a lot of inspiration there from things like Minecraft, you know, which at this point had already been out for a little bit and was gaining in popularity, you know, that's sort of much more true sandbox, you know, there was still a lot of limitations of things that you couldn't do compared to New Horizons for sure. But at the same time, there was a lot more kind of like, okay, the player is in control now of, of, of this story. I think if you go back and look at, like, I say, a hundred different people's villages from the original games that we've already spoken about, they'll all basically look the same yeah. with a little bit of randomness here and exactly. there. Exactly. Whereas with New Leaf, they can all look quite drastically different. Exactly, so, um, exactly. That level of customization is very much front and center. And you also, this was also the point where, you know, at this point now, lots of people are playing these games and there's a real kind of like sub community in the world for these games and so people were really starting to get creative with them as well the more tools that were given to them you know the more customization online social media has become a lot more Mm, ubiquitous so people were able to communicate online outside of the game to sort of share ideas and people would share like designs of clothes for example exactly kind of cool looking designs and share those around and uh, and there was, like you say, this sense of community within, within a game or and outside of the game too. And that was shown even more so by the fact that Nintendo buckled down and really got the online infrastructure working better. The yeah. 3DS's online infrastructure was really good. Like, 
it still is if you fans you can still use it even now it was sort of the first use of the nintendo network which is still what they use now um they simplified matters by just being able to like request friends rather than necessarily having to put in friend codes as well neutral friend codes um, on both sides yeah <laughs> it, it, yeah it, it made things super simple and one of the things that i really like is the street pass functionality mm. like that was a really cool idea and i think it works really well in the fact that you could street pass people who also had Animal Crossing and you could then, like, go and view their homes yeah. in, like, the Happy Home Society um, section of yep. the game. And that was a really cool idea. And being able also to go and visit other people's towns who were offline via the Dream Suite was also a really clever idea. Mm. Like, Nintendo really wanted to encourage the sense of community, but not so much in your town anymore, but amongst other Animal Crossing players. Yeah. And they did this by encouraging even offline interaction with people. Yeah, definitely. It definitely, this is where, you know, come again, coming back to in the first episode, we talked about that sort of what was Animal Crossing all about? You know, it was about community. It was about family. It was about connecting with people. And I feel like in Wild World and in City Folk, they tried and in New mm. Leaf, they succeeded. Right. Yes. Like that's this is where that then really, really worked. And, and, and the rest of the world had caught up to the point where where that made sense and i think on top of all of that as well they've also got the hardware to make it look good too because it still looks mm, really good mm, on the 3ds yeah. so you have the portability the simple ease of pick up and play of a portable device but without the downsides of not having a powerful enough device yeah. or having some limitating factors like the, the original ds did so i really feel like this was the console that animal crossing was almost always made for um you know like everything sort of just like clicked into place with the the technical abilities and the uh the strategy and the outset of what they wanted to achieve and yeah like i i was really when i was writing there i was really trying to think like what wasn't so good about new leaf but honestly like it kind of achieved everything (laughs) animal crossing wants to achieve yeah definitely definitely and it's funny because after new leaf there has been a enormous gap in mainline series, relatively mm. speaking, for Animal Crossing. Yes, relatively speaking, and absolutely. So have gone from these regular, you know, two, three, four years to, you know, a seven-year gap mm. um, between... After such a high point as well. Yeah, in fact, in fact, if it's Japan, it's an eight-year gap, um, mm. nearly eight-year gap. Um, it's, it's crazy, um, the gap between New Leaf and New Horizons. And in between, you had, weirdly, loads of spin-offs. Right, yeah, it's like it's like, like they decided. Okay, cool. We can it like kind of felt let Animal Crossing like, loose on the world. <laughs> they it kind of felt like they said the same thing we just said about New Leaf. Like, well, it was kind of the game we wanted to make all along, and now we've made it. Why do we need to make another one? Yeah, right. And I think that because Nintendo does do that, right? They don't just keep releasing the same game over and over again necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they always try and release a game with something different about them. Like you look at the Mario games; they don't just keep making more Mario games. They make them differently. Like Galaxy was different to. Mario Sunshine was different to 3D Land was different. And, you know, they always have something a bit different to them. So they were like, well, we kind of run out of things to do differently with Animal Crossing now. And it's not like the 3DS is dead, so you can still go and play it and get exactly the experience we wanted you to get. And I guess that's also the thing, right, is that at this point you've now got, like, large gaps in console life cycle. You know, when you you think about 3DS to Switch versus DS to 3DS or, you know, GameCube to Wii, like... Although there's a huge gap, it, it's also like, well, I guess it just came out a bit early in the 3DS life cycle and yes, a little yeah. bit later in the Switch life cycle. And that's just how it 
that's just how it fell. But there's not like there's a it's not like there's a middle console that was missed out, you know, particularly. No. I guess the Wii U. <laughs> but uh <laughs> the Wii U sort of, but again, I think they were like, well, we've kind of done probably what wise. we wanted to do on a home console and we've already proven that like Animal Crossing kinda needs to be handheld. Exactly, right? exactly. It kind of needs to be on this handheld device. And they kind of went with that in a way with these games, right? Because the first of the the, the three primary spin-offs, there were some other ones, but these were the three main ones, was Happy Home Designer. Mm. And that was 3DS. So again, they kept it portable. And they they were basically saying like imagine if you could do all the things in your in your village in your town but in your home and make it even more customizable because at this point customizing your house was very much just a simple case of plonking down a bit of furniture you know mm. maybe you could change its orientation and that was about it really but happy home designer was to me at least anyway felt very much like a tech demo of what they wanted to do with the yeah. decoration within the the home of a, of a mainline Animal Crossing game. It's sometimes crazy to me that Happy Home Designer is like a game, you know, because yeah, it, it feels yeah. so much like a toy, like a demo, like a like a preview before you release a game. You know, like it's like here's like a bit, here's like a slice of a game we're going to release. <laughs> it does feel like this could be released as sort of like a, a five pound like tech yeah. demo. Like this is sort of what we're thinking. So of bizarre. So bizarre. But it sold really well. <laughs> Which is it, crazy. It sold <laughs> 3 million copies uh, across the 3DS, which obviously doesn't come close to the New Leaf sales figures, but that's still crazy for a small spin-off game. Um, and yeah, it was okay. It was kind of fun. It was kind of charming, but it was also a little bit shallow. There wasn't really too much to it. There's no challenge um, in there, right, as well? Like, you it could wasn't, yeah, do what you there want. There was no game. Yeah. So it was cool. But it was certainly something you expected to see more as like a demo or maybe even like a pack-in with another 3DS game. Yeah, 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 definitely. Buy this game and get to try out how you're going to design homes in the future Animal Crossing game, right? Exactly. Or is it if Ikea made an Animal Crossing game? (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't sort of like some kind of Ikea crossover (laughs) promotional deal or something. Exactly, there was with The Sims, you know. Exactly, you know. So, I, and I don't dislike Happy Home Designer outright. Bec- the other two games that we're going to talk about, I do actually dislike. Ooh, okay. um, but Happy Home Designer at least had like the right mentality of like, well, it's been a good few years since we've had an Animal Crossing game come out. This is what we're kind of wanting to do in future. And we're going to add some bells and whistles to it to make it actually right. like a game. Yeah. It had its drawbacks, but I can see why they wanted to make it. Yeah. Um, and you also know why they wanted to make Amiibo Festival, which was the next spin-off, and that's because they wanted to sell and make more Amiibo. Right, this is oh, like dear. heyday Amiibo time. Um, yeah. And it was- I mean, this was when Smash Bros. 4 Wii U would come out, I believe. Yeah. And... Amiibos were just everywhere. Yeah. Like you could buy an Amiibo of every single character you wanted, and they were selling like hotcakes. And some of them were so expensive to buy secondhand. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that Nintendo just wanted to capitalize on yeah. that. And unfortunately, they capitalized it on a franchise that up until this point hadn't really had a bad game. Yeah, um, Happy Home Designer, sh- bit shallow, but it wasn't a bad game. This was terrible. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was basically an extremely simplified Mario Party um, yeah. that really was just about buying Amiibo. Um, and that's kind of it. <laughs> I guess there's not there's yeah. really not a lot to it. It was also the first time in which a different development branch of Nintendo mm. worked on an Animal Crossing game. Yeah, yeah. Along with a third, well, second party, really, um, developer too. And it feels, you can feel it. You can feel that there hasn't been as much love to this. Because, like, Happy Home Designer, even though it wasn't, like, a true Animal Crossing game, you could still see it's come from the same people mm. because it had all the same feeling to it. Right. You can tell it honestly was just the tech demo of what they were trying to accomplish within the next upcoming game that they basically just turned into a game itself. Mm. This was built from the ground up, well, within reason, to do exactly what it does, which is to just sell you Amiibo. Because... Yeah. The game itself was essentially, like you say, just a Mario Party game where to it have characters in the game, you had to own the Amiibos. Mm, like, mm-hmm. it came bundled with two Amiibos. I think it came bundled with, was it like Isabel and Digby or mm. something? And then you could buy more Amiibos to go along with it, but they were quite expensive. Like, I think I remember you could buy like the, um, what are the alpacas called? They could change like your colors oh, of yeah. something. Do you know who I mean? Those two. Yeah, I do. Um, like the blue and the pink one. And you could buy them. I mean, that was like £30. I'm like, mm. that's a lot of money for some characters, essentially, nothing else. Like, yeah. ugh. But that was the Amiibo craze, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And then after the Amiibo kind of craze and the sort of toys, uh, interactive toys craze, which is all all thanks to, um, what was it called? The Spyro one. Skylanders. Skylanders, right. That's all Skylanders' fault. Everyone tried to crash in on this. We could do a whole episode talking about, like, the toys-to-life yeah, genre of definitely. games. You had Skylanders, you had Disney Infinity, you had the Amiibos, and there was, like, Starlink. Oh, I don't know yeah. If you remember Starlink that's for the recent. brief time that's that was a thing. Uh, yeah. they, they, oh, anyway, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other topic of episode. But moving on and to then, the next Animal Crossing spin-off. Yeah, game. the other cash-in was Pocket Camp, right, on the, on yeah. the mobile devices. So this was 2017 now, so we're getting pretty close. This was a free-to-play game. It had microtransactions, like most free-to-play games. And this is sort of, you know, this is where Nintendo were and and, and still are putting key franchises on mobile. You know, so Mm. this is, you know, you've got things like Pokemon Go and and Mario Run and Fire Emblem Heroes and, and Pocket Camp was another you know another nintendo foray into mobile and i mean they saw the money that these games were making yeah. and they went yeah we want some of that please. exactly exactly and you know we always say this on octal fm right we don't really have a problem with with mobile games if it means that the money is then it can then you know you you're earning the money to invest in other in in, in core games in inverted commas yeah. right you know yeah, i yeah. think at the time i think people freaked out that they thought that this was this is how Animal Crossing is going to go. And we're never, Hmm. you know, at this point, right, we're like years and years since a mainline game. And it's like, oh my God, is this it? This is it now. You know, we're only going to get like crappy spinoffs. We're never going to get a core game again. Obviously not true. Um, But, you know, I played a bit of Pocket Camp, not a huge amount, but a little bit. Um, It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's very lightweight. You know, it it does have microtransactions, which isn't great. But, you know, for a free game, what can you expect? And it was just a strip, very, very stripped down mobile Animal Crossing, very stripped down. 
you know, and it's had lots of updates, you know, it's, it, it's got a tie in with, um, New Horizons, you know, you can get like extra things in New Horizons if you have, yeah. if you have a pocket yeah. camp, um, game, you know, so it's, it's, it's better than Amiibo Festival. Let's put it like that. <laughs> yeah, at least this actually was a playable game that you might enjoy <laughs> right. separate to anything else, whereas Amiibo Festival yeah. really was just an excuse to sell more Amiibo. Exactly. Um, and I don't feel like any of the Nintendo games, except for maybe Fire Emblem Heroes, was too pushy with the microtransactions mm. either. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, you you probably wanted to spend some money if you wanted to keep playing and buy like certain things quicker. Right. But I feel like the Nintendo games were always very much a case of you can still play this game and enjoy it without spending money if yeah. you want to. Um, so I don't hate it outright like I do Amiibo Festival, but I do feel like it was another excuse for Nintendo to just make some money. I think also, you know, what it really was, was Nintendo biding their time until coronavirus, because that <laughs> is, you know, the, the, the real showstopper here is that, you know, this laid back, relaxing escapism series from from where did we start where did we start with animal crossing on the n64 it was in 2001 2001 right all that was was just the build-up until a global pandemic where animal crossing (laughs) could really shine as it's you know it is his ultimate goal here which is therapy for people in lockdown You've got to look at those sales figures, right, and think: Would it have sold anywhere near this without it? Like, where don't get we... me wrong. This game was was well anticipated by like the core gaming community mm. and the Animal Crossing enthusiasts, but there's no way it got to the two point sorry twenty two point four million copies sold just now, and it's still going to be you know selling now. Yeah. <laughs> so as of September twenty twenty, which is when we're recording this, like it's twenty two point four million copies sold. Like that is the highest selling Switch game. You know, we're mm. putting that next to games like Breath of the Wild yeah. and Odyssey and yeah. Smash Bros, you know. It's crazy numbers, yeah. crazy, crazy numbers. Yeah, to go from that quirky Japanese game that didn't even have, you know, Western holiday references in it because it was so no. Japanese focused to go all the, but but had thousands upon thousands of pages of, of localization and, and, and copy that needed to be done and, you know, so much stuff to go from that where, you know, essentially they were kind of taking a punt really on, on, on internationalizing such a quirky yeah. game that like we yeah, said, it could it, definitely have failed and not made enough money back to, yeah. to warrant the, localization and like we said in the previous episode you know there are so many japanese you know very sort of heavily influenced by by japanese culture games that never see the light of day in the west and animal crossing could have been one of those and to go from that to you know the best-selling game on the console that it's on um and a game that which is is also like the second best-selling nintendo console (laughs) yeah exactly we've come such a long way from that yeah. from that first episode not just in terms of time but also in terms of you know history uh, <laughs> not just time of recording uh and animal crossing new horizons really you know we've seen all of this refinement and all of this improvement and it just they just nailed it right like like yeah. they didn't they it didn't miss a step uh where city folk did a little bit where wild world was constrained by its tech New Leaf was pretty much bang on, uh, and New Horizons, they managed to do that again. Uh, what I think they did cleverest with 
New Horizons was that they didn't try and basically just do New Leaf Plus. They they've taken all the different things that have happened in the gaming landscape in those seven years between these mm-hmm. two releases and simply just like added them to New Horizons. Yeah. So obviously the biggest obvious addition is the crafting, you yeah. know. And it's so much more easy to craft and customize things. Like, you know, you're encouraged to be so experimental with what you can do now. Part of that is to do with the hardware. Like, the Switch has basically no limitations. Like, the 3DS was still pretty powerful, but probably still has some level of limitation of what you could do with it, right? Right. Whereas on the Switch, you didn't have those limitations at all anymore. So you can kind of customize the game to your heart's content now. And, you know, that's obviously seen in, in so many games where you can build things on your own now and customization is so much part of the game. And, you know, we've we've talked about this pretty in-depth already on some episodes of Octal FM, mm. which we'll link in the show notes. Um, so we don't need to necessarily go on too much about, like, why Animal Crossing New Horizons is such a good game. I don't mm. feel like they did dirty <laughs> the Animal Crossing franchise, if that mm. makes sense with this. They feel like they've really kept with the core idea of, like, well, let's do this and then reinvent it in a in a different mm. way while keeping everything core. Mm. Um, like, yeah, the game still feels like an Animal Crossing game, but it also feels like a new Animal Crossing game at mm. the same time, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think for me, the biggest thing about Animal Crossing New Horizons is that Nintendo are now embracing the idea of using the internet to yeah. release regular updates. You know, and the fact that we're now getting kind of seasonal updates with new holidays and, and new content all the time, partially in response to the fact that people would just skip ahead to see the content. And so by mm, releasing yes, it as, yeah. as updates, you can control that to some extent. But also, you know, just that also feels like, you know, if you go back again to those early games where they were like cramming a clock into a cartridge, you know, to give like real time, you know, persistent world. And now look, that same DNA is here in in New Horizons with, Mm -hmm. you know, regular updates of new content in this sort of livable, breathable worlds. That's, that's what they always wanted to be able to do, you know, essentially create a real sense community, you know, yeah, like it's it's really interesting seeing how all of these games are different and they all add more, but you can see that it's just what Animal Crossing was meant to be at the start. You know, it just mm. it just needed the it's funny how much the game has stayed the same but also grown with the technology that's available to it. Um it's I well, find you that mentioned so in the beginning of the first episode of this retrospective that one of the core tenants when they were making the original game was that the one of the developers had just moved to a big city and he felt sort of isolated mm-hmm. from his community. And this is still there now. Like you are escaping to an island, you know, mm. but creating a community right. from the people who are going with you, you know, and it's all about building up what you wanted this new community now, like with your fellow residents. Yeah, so exactly. Like a like an abandoned island somewhere. It. Yeah, like yeah, you are definitely, you are definitely. building this kind of like nice, quiet, idyllic life away from the big city. You know, you've decided to give up on that and, and try to return to a, a simpler route, you know. Um, yeah, kind of reminds exactly. me of the Stardew Valley, you know, way of doing things and like, you know, and Harvest Moon, like escaping to the countryside, escaping to a yeah. simpler way of being, you know. And, and then we come full circle with what you said at the beginning of this discussion about New Horizon was that this was the perfect time for that kind of coronavirus lockdown mentality where a lot of people were very stressed and are very stressed even now. Mm. And this is this is just that escape. This is that yeah. sense of, yeah, it's okay. We're still, we're still working together and you can still spend time with people you want to spend time with. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, like we've come a long way, come a long way mm. in this discussion. I mean, you've got to think like this is now... a 
basically a 20 year old franchise and it is changed so little but it's yet it's come such a long way at the same time. Mm. It's a really cool, interesting look at it. There's, I don't feel there's been any duds with the exception of the spin-offs. Like if all, all the mainline games, I think, have all done exactly what they wanted to do. They've always been interesting and they've never just been completely iterative of each other. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I am really happy that Nintendo have managed to get this really interesting, unique, unique franchise from a game series mm. that probably was never going to see the light of day outside of Japan or have another sequel to it at best. Yeah, you know? so, agreed. Yeah, uh, and who knows what's coming next? Like New Horizon is definitely not going away anytime soon because there's no reason to. They can just keep updating it and adding to it. So who knows what comes next in the Animal Crossing franchise yeah. of, of games? I guess, yeah, because my biggest takeaway from this has definitely been the that march of tech and how Animal Crossing has mirrored what's available to it from a technology point of view. So now I'm thinking, like, from a technology point of view, what are Where we going to see go? next? You know, yeah. because where does it go yeah whatever whatever new technology there is for 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 playing games for interacting and for for communicating with people i feel like animal crossing will follow it um yeah. so i'm really interested to see um what that is you know and what and what, what comes out of this franchise but that was our two-part retrospective mm. on the world and release games of Animal Crossing. Um, it's been really cool to talk about mm. uh, and sort of reminisce about some of the old ones and and really I think in the course of the discussion, we've really kind of come to the idea that like Animal Crossing is surprisingly coherent with its own message and its own um, strategies across the entirety of its 20 year history, which I think is really interesting because, you know, many games are either just iterations of themselves over and over again or don't have any sort of like consistency throughout them. They're just different amongst all of them. So yeah, I I really enjoyed sort of like, you know, breaking Animal Crossing down. Mm, Me too. Me too. It's been really interesting and and talking about it all together, all of these games, it's really shown the, the, the threat through them, which I find really interesting. That's a great way of putting it. More so than so many other franchises and so many other games that we've spoken about. Um, But yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed this. If you have, then let us know. If you haven't, then let us know, I guess. Uh, you can email us, show at octal.fm, or send us a tweet, twitter.com forward slash octal.fm, or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. Those are the Come ways and let us know you what your favourite game was. What game did you mm. spend the most amount of time in Animal Crossing? Which mm. one passed you by? Like, I genuinely have never even played City Folk. Like, I've literally never picked up a controller yep. once for even a minute and played it, you know? Um, so let us know which ones you think, you know, was the most impactful. What what amazing childhood memories did you develop in the earliest game, you know? Um, mm. uh, yeah, definitely Absolutely. let us know and, and tell us what you think about Animal Crossing. Uh, and if you've got any yeah. recommendations for our next retrospective episode, then also mm. please let us know yes. about that as well because these are Definitely. kind of fun to do um they're a really nice like look down you know into history of games and you can kind of uncover some kind of cool funky stuff so yeah do recommend us some game series we can look into for another retrospective absolutely absolutely uh and in the meantime i've been gelada and i've been saffron and catch us again for another episode of octal fm very soon Oh, me, oh, me, oh, me, oh, me, oh.